go to. So um, it just made me realise, man, like people view Africa as just like this one place, continent or country, whatever it is, we don't really care. There's one kind of people that live here, they're all struggling and blah, blah, blah. So with my voice, um, I want to change that narrative. Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. My name is Dan and I'm joined by Emma. Hello. And Chris. Hey. How are you doing guys? You good? Yeah, doing well, thanks. So today is the 1st of April, which means that it's exactly a quarter through 2019. Which is crazy. That is crazy. This whole podcast could be a joke. (laughs) And this whole podcast could be a joke. We should should have thought of some like funny titles or something. Maybe we'll do that in in post-production and give it a crazy title. But um, yeah, so we're going through 2019 at quite steam. Uh, Can't believe it. Uh, This is our fourth podcast of the year. And today we're going to be talking to uh, recording artist Governor B uh, about a couple of different things. He recently went to Zambia with Tear Fund, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. Before we get to that interview, we're going to introduce a brand new shiny segment. We're calling it What in the World? And it's a monthly look at one topic, one hot issue that we've been hearing about or has been in the news to do with justice, to do with the wider world and the context. And we're going to be uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a, a look back at why it happened happened, what it means for us, and what we can learn from it. Welcome to What in the World. Emma, what are we talking about this time? So you may have seen this pop up right at the end of February. Documentary presenter Stacey Dooley got accused of being a white saviour by MP David Lammy. Stacey posted a picture on Instagram of her holding a Ugandan child in her arms and the caption said, Obsessed. So taking a step away from the personalities involved, it does highlight some important questions about how we work together to end poverty globally. What are your thoughts on it? Well, yeah, I think uh, when I saw it come up, I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is <laughs> looking a bit awkward. <laughs> um, and it's weird because I like, generally do like what Stacey does. I like what David Lammy does. Um, so like you said, I'm not trying to get into a, I support who, I support this, whatever. But um, for me, like speaking as a, as a black guy, um, with a heritage in Ghana, it is interesting. I think like stereotypes about African people generally have often historically been quite bad. And um, I did a master's in development education, and and a lot of that was actually about how do you educate people about development work. And um, there is this big ongoing thing around actually we don't want to we don't want to set it up to have this kind of idea of. Here we are as the saviors in the in the West, and and they there they are in like outside of that like struggling, looking for us to help them any way that we can, and I think it kind of speaks towards like the 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 history and narrative of poverty. So like I've said it before in this podcast where we talk about poverty kind of being this idea that just like this nebulous force, but the reality is poverty comes from things that have taken place historically. So when you look at uh, countries in the global south and global north, they're historically you can see that the global south has been taken advantage of whether it be you know taken of resources whether it be uh you know slavery obviously the big thing um so yeah so it's kind of like you have that whole situation and then you have the whole process of decolonization where you know england leaves these countries to kind of you know get on with it by themselves but within that process 
there's still debt for those countries that they have to pay back. There's still all these kind of like uh, ide- the ideology of we are better than you still mm. exists. So when you have something like a photo, like this photo come up, it does play back into that narrative, which I think is quite dangerous. Um, I think really when we're thinking about actually how do we start, how do we end global poverty, it has to be together. It can't be this kind of, oh, we are here as the people who know best and you are there as the people just with your hands out. It has to be, it has to be reflected not only in what we say and what we do, but how we, how we show that to other people as well. And how do you think we achieve that togetherness? Because you're 100% right, but it, it can seem quite difficult. And some people might say that Stacey Dooley was even doing that by, by trying to bridge that geographical um, kind of distance and mm. say, like, we are together. In, in your experience from your studies and, and things and the trips you've been on, um, how, how do you think we can do that effectively? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm 100% with, like, even David Lemmy said it himself as well, is that the work is good. Like, I'm not saying, oh, let's never, let's forget about aid or anything like that. I think that's important. Um, I think even talking about aid again, it's a weird thing where it's like giving money, but still saying you owe us. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, well, wake up your mind. Um, but I guess kind of like on a personal level, uh, I think really, like I've been on a few uh, volunteer trips abroad as well. And the temptation to kind of, present this kind of oh look at what I'm doing it's like really helpful whatever it is there but it's something that you have to actively like walk against I think is being very mindful of the people that you're working with and making sure that you are working with them mm. you know it's like even for instance I remember being out once and um we were helping to build this playground and we didn't know what we were really doing <laughs> so actually we ended up working with the entire local community mm. rather than kind of being this having this idea of here we are the westerners to save the day because mm. it's just not true yeah, definitely. I, I think it's really interesting. We we heard about a project in in Haiti recently where um, they they have issues with uh, waste disposal. So there's a lot of plastic waste, a lot of pollution, um, and uh, I was just really inspired by a story that came out of that of a group of young people who wanted to make a bit of an enterprise out of that situation and change the environment that they lived in. So they they were taking um, bits of uh, plastic and, and waste and other bits and pieces and making items out of those to sell that they would then go back in to fund other projects. So they were they were making things like bags and wallets and other bits and pieces. Um, and when you when you hear stories like that, you realise that us as a Western world, you see the benefit of us telling those stories rather than saying, I'm uh, partnering with Charity X to go over mm. and, and make a difference there. And I, I imagine that there are millions of stories like that in developing countries. Mm. And so getting that balance between making sure people see there is a need, which Comic Relief has done and uh, has, has been the model for the last 20 years, but also perhaps just also shifting that and saying, look, there's, there's really good stuff going on there already. Um, we're just partnering or encouraging or, or, or trying to do what we can but this is not something that's being started by us this is mm. something that's been started by a group of young people in Haiti because they've looked at their own situation and they've said this is what we can do to make a difference and to make a change mm. and so keeping that in mind I think is is really important as well yeah so how do you kind of feel like how do you push that narrative across because obviously when it comes to like you take like a comic relief or Anything similar, even like what we do here at Tear Fund, we obviously want to get people involved in the work that we do and we want mm. people to support that. Um, so how do you communicate that well? I, I think it's difficult. I think um, it's not just a comic relief thing, it's a fundraising thing more, more widely where um, we sometimes like to position um, 
ourselves as the hero in the story. And so um, you'll see a lot of kind of uh, modern fundraising techniques will be about you have you have made a difference because you have done this and you have raised money. And so, like I was saying, the balance between between using that as a way to encourage people to get involved because giving people the opportunity to, to take an action that will make a difference is still really important. Um, getting the balance between still doing that but making sure that in a fundraising context and in a charity and in a social development context, that's not your only focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting the balance with the stories out of the people in, in the different contexts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tier Fund does that well and it works through local churches. And so those local churches are based in their community and they know mm-hmm. what is happening um, more than anything else. Um, and so I think I think charities have a responsibility to, to make sure they are having an equal balance of, of both of those approaches where actually if we if we do too much uh, in positioning ourselves in the UK and in the Western world as the heroes, then we're actually completely devaluating, devaluing mm. the great work that's, that's going on out there. It's, it's difficult, but I think the, the thing that struck me from, from uh, David Lammy's tweet is, it's about self-awareness. It's about us realising that some of the actions that we take can be harmful, even though we're trying to do good. And mm. Stacey Dooley was only trying to do good, and mm. that was her, her point. But we kind of have two responses. We have, we have the defensiveness which kind of Stacey was was going on in a bit mm. of like, well, I'm just doing something here. I don't really know why you're taking mm. offence at it and pointing the finger at me. I'm just doing something that's good. There's that approach. But the, the other response is just being a little bit self-aware and trying to understand things from a different context. And as as a white person, it's really important to do that because technically I could be classed as a white saviour through some of my actions. And I have two choices. I can either say, um, oh, I'm just doing good and nobody can really point a finger at me and say I'm doing bad or doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, just taking a step back and realising, okay, David Lammy, as someone who has, uh, has spoken into lots of different areas of injustice, has more experience than I do. He is a black person himself. He works a lot with black communities. He does a lot internationally as well. So in hindsight of all of that, David probably has something to say and I should probably listen to it. Mm. And if that makes me feel uncomfortable, I think that's a really important thing that we feel comfortable being in a place of discomfort mm. because that's broadening our horizons a, a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Going back to your um, point about telling the stories of people in Haiti, um, I totally agree. Like, they're incredible stories of people making an impact and communities being empowered um, and doing stuff to kind of lift themselves out of poverty. But do you think, kind of from like a, I guess, a charity marketing perspective, for all of us sitting here, we kind of have an understanding that charity is important and that we, it's important that we give and that we contribute, even though people are already doing stuff for themselves. But do you think that there are a whole load of the population who would see a story like that and be like, oh, they're fine, they don't need my help, because there's a kind of a detachment from it? So mm. how do you like balance the mm. kind of saying, like, there is need for you to help, but you're not the saviour kind of thing? Like, yeah. it's a really hard message yeah, to juggle. Totally. Yeah, I think it's I think it's difficult and it's all around the language of partnership. And so if we told a true picture of situations like Haiti, there is a project of young people making a difference. And then in the very same town or city, there is a group of other young people who perhaps don't have either the physical resources or money to get something off the ground. And so it's saying this stuff is happening already. What do we do to multiply that? How do we partner mm-hmm. with, with those people to multiply what that is 
doing and the impact that that is is having mm. and and something that also like people get excited about if I, th- I think there's a, a, a bit of a change as, as you see what the charity sector has gone through in the last few years. People want transparency. They want to see where their money is going and they mm. want to see impacts. They want to see uh, that it's really making a difference. And so I think people now want partnership because if they if they have some kind of partnership, it's not like they're just giving money to a big entity. They're seeing the impact that that has in the groups of people on the ground in different countries. Emma, you're someone who, you know, you're, in, you're on Instagram, you're on social media, you've got quite a platform there. For you, have you seen anyone kind of, you know, doing things for good and kind of sharing that in a great way? I don't know, it's difficult. There's, it's, a, it's such a huge issue and I think there are so many tangents to this one thing and I think like David Lummy was saying, it, well, in response to Stacey Dooley, he kind of made a point to say that it wasn't particularly just about her but it was like the conversation in general. So I think the people who do it best on social media are those who include other people's voices and they don't make it just about themselves. So it's not like, oh, look at me, I'm doing this or um, I've gone here and I'm helping this, but actually really trying to just bring in other voices. And although social media is a very personal platform, like we all share our own individual lives, it's actually a really good opportunity to flip the narrative and give platforms to other people through your own platform, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. But yeah, I think like it is, it's so important for us to speak up about issues that are happening in the world and use our voices to advocate for others and also talk about issues that people might not even have ever heard of or even know are going on. But I think how you do that is really important, especially on social media. I remember I read a story ages ago. I don't actually know if it's a true story or if it's like a a demonstration (laughs) story. Um, But it was talking about how there was this community. They were like a a really affluent church in an affluent part of the city. And they decided they wanted to start a project in the poorer um, area of the city. So they arranged a church meeting and they discussed the needs of the poorer community. But they didn't actually know anyone from the community and they didn't ask what their needs might be. But they just decided, okay, surely food is their priority. They need food. Everyone needs food. So the church decided then to create these food hampers and they would go out and deliver it to the poorer community and the children and the adults were grateful like everyone was happy um but the adults kind of seemed a little embarrassed as well in receiving these food packages but they were grateful nonetheless and then it got to Christmas time and they would do it again and they would give these food hampers but they would also buy gifts for the children and the children were so excited but they noticed a few of the parents were actually quite taken aback and actually for them it was a really difficult time because the little that they had saved and put into buying these gifts for their children they may have saved all year to just buy one thing that they could afford actually then seemed like nothing in comparison to these big gifts from the church and although the project kind of had a good heart the same way Stacey Dooley or whoever is going out and trying to make an impact or raise awareness we we have a good heart in it but actually are we considering what the people actually need what the people that we want to help or the stories that we want to tell how do they want their stories told Mm. um and I think actually it's really important to take a step back and think what story am I telling here am I telling my story Mm. or am I telling Mm, someone else's story because if I'm telling someone else's story 
then I need to I need them to tell it. I need mm. their voice. Whether it may be me saying the story, I need to know their side of it. I can't just say it in my own words or assume or guess. Mm. Actually, using other people's voices is a really important part of advocacy. Like I don't think it should ever just be a, my opinion is this and this is what we're going to do. Mm. And that's the same with pictures. Like you just have to be careful. Like you can't just present yourself in this way of like, oh, I am here and doing this. This is my story. Actually, what what are you doing in telling? that story for other people yeah okay just to wrap up if somebody has seen this conversation between david lammy and stacy dooley uh, someone in the western world what advice would you give them and what they should do next because obviously we don't want to feel restricted by making a difference i'm sure pretty much everyone listening to this podcast will be as someone who uh, wants to make a difference for people around the world but how do we do that in a way that takes the key points that david's making um, and still making a difference but doing it in a in a much fairer way I would say, uh, let's say take the L. And what I mean by that is, number one, take the loss in the sense that everyone starts out with good intentions. It doesn't matter who you are, but rarely does that ever straight away manifest into this is the best approach. So it's all right. Take, put your hands up, take the L and be like, actually, okay, maybe I haven't got everything right. And the other side of that is learn. So take the L in the sense Mm -hmm. of learn. Take the opportunity to hear voices. Like Joe Herbert was saying on our other podcast, you know, hear voices from around the world talking about this stuff. Don't just rely. Like, I love people listening to this podcast. I also would hope they're not just listening to people in the UK talking about this stuff. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, Yeah, read up figure out actually what is the context behind how we've got to the position that we're in as a as a global community yeah I think as well like I even I when I first saw all this happening my first thought was oh my gosh I should never go like (laughs) on an overseas mission trip or like you should never do anything like that and like because I was just like what do you do when you're then that's like society is saying okay you shouldn't do this because it's going to come across this way and you don't want your intentions to be misconstrued but then you realize like actually this is such a healthy conversation and I think if anything what can be taken from this is that these kind of conversations need to be had and it doesn't mean that then we just stop and do nothing but that actually just because this is the way that it's always been done that there's been kind of someone Mm. goes and takes a picture and says, this is the awareness that I want to raise. Actually, that's not the way we always have to do it, that we can reimagine what it looks like and we can then look at more sustainable ways of development. And I think it's only a healthy thing to have happened. Yeah, it's really good. I think I'll just add to end. there's a really good book called When Helping Hurts, which looks at the different approaches to poverty alleviation uh, and examines the strengths and the weaknesses of each one. And so if you did want to do some further reading, then that's definitely one to, to check out when helping hurts. And Chris, you spoke to Governor B about this, didn't you? He brought it up and you spoke about it in the context of his trip to Zambia. So I think that'd be a really good position for us to hear from. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Governor B. I feel like our podcast is proper serious stuff. So I'm going to tell you my real name. My real name is Isaac. <laughs> We're going Normally deep already. Do that. <laughs> Strap in. Um, um, I guess I'm a writer, communicator with a heart for young people. So I record music. Um, I've written a book, writing my second book at the moment. I'll see it. And yeah, man, I just got a heart for communicating purpose to young people. Yeah, that's really interesting because I would have... I mean, you could have introduced yourself however you wanted, yeah. but you put communicator first, then musician second. Is that like a conscious thing for you? Yeah, I think as I'm getting older, I realise that 
there's a lot of information out there mm. and not everyone well everyone has access to that information mm. but not everyone receives that information so communicating is an important thing and it's a skill that I'm trying to get better at yeah. not just through my skill but as a human being like because my mum would tell me oh like you don't tell me enough. Or yeah, when I got yeah. married, like I wasn't communicating my feelings and my thoughts yeah. enough. So I've realised how important that is in everyday relationships. Um, so yeah, man, communication is a big one for me. Yeah, for sure. And I see you, like, and like you said, like day to day, whether it's face to face, whatever. Mm. I also see you sometimes on Twitter going through it. It seems <laughs> like you put something out and then they come out, the trolls come out ready with a nice one for Yeah, I know, man. They, they're always at my neck on Twitter. I don't know why, man. I always think if I didn't have music and, and books and stuff would I be on social media yeah I'm not sure I'd like to think I wouldn't but it's easy to get sucked in <laughs> everyone wants to be started at some point <laughs> exactly um, so you recently went to Zambia um, and you were ch- checking out some of the work that Tier Fund does mm. what was that experience like what did you see who did you meet what were you up to it was incredible for me because my family are Ghanaian um, which is in Africa, of course. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. my brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually go, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the meanest thing. Because my family's fancy. Oh, I swear, fancy. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? You just go straight to Yeah, gym. But, like, I've got a heart for the motherland. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it was cool to go out there, see the work that Tear Fund do firsthand. Because, for me, just being honest... Living in England, it's very easy to get uh, charity fatigue because there's mm. so many people doing good stuff and there's different bits and pieces I've been involved with, but there's nothing like kind of going to see where your support is going mm. firsthand and getting to meet the people that it's affecting and that kind of stuff. So I loved it, man. I feel like I went there with a mindset that oh, I'm going to help inspire young people mm. and stuff like that. But in all honesty... <laughs> They ended up like inspiring me, man. Like they mm. had more of an effect on me than I could ever imagine. It's mm. a beautiful nation. And was that the first time kind of going out to a project like that? Yeah. So obviously, I've been back to Ghana quite a few times, but that was just to see family. Yeah. And obviously, like you travel a bit, you're a bit of a tourist. I saw my parents grew up and stuff like that. But yeah. this was the first time that I was going specifically um, yeah. to see what. A charity like Tier Fund is doing in Zambia. Yeah, you spoke a bit. You just you mentioned like ethical fatigue. Mm. For you, is that something that you feel like? Why do you think that's the thing? Why do you think? I mean, you mentioned like the abundance of like so many people doing something. Yeah. Um, do you think that's something that the younger generation struggle with more than the older? Or do you think it's just kind of generally we're all a bit done? It depends what you open yourself up to or. Um, what you experience, what you have access to. For me, being a musician, people are always sending me stuff, like Mm. causes that I should support or um, charities are hitting me up saying, yo, we're doing this, would you love to be a part of it? Mm. And you just get desensitised, I think. Mm. You care about it, do you know what I mean? Because there's too much poverty in this world, war, violence, and Mm. I feel like I've got a, a deeper desire I want to make the world a better place yeah. but there's only so much capacity you have so it's definitely a struggle with me like mm. if I'm being honest um, I guess the best way to describe it is if like an advert comes on on the TV sponsor this or whatever mm. it's like I'm a bit flippant do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. where really ideally it should tug up my heartstrings every single time but there's just so much out there yeah I mean yeah there's a lot out there we'll get into that in a little bit um, mm. I think 
uh, I think you're correct in, ter- in the sense that like going th- going there completely different experience right to kind of just hearing about it 1000% like I speak about Tiffan differently I speak about Zambia differently mm-hmm. now because I have a first hand experience I don't just have this uh, idea of what they are doing or what they could mm-hmm. be doing but I know names, do you know what I mean? Mm. I know stories. I've seen the smiles on people's faces. I've seen tears. So mm. you relate to that in a completely different way. Mm. Could you tell me some of those stories, like some of the people you met? Yeah, sure. I don't know if I'm allowed to say names. But of course you're yeah. <laughs> These days you've got to be so careful, man. Sure, yeah. Um But yeah, I remember this this young girl went to her house to, to visit her and her family. And she's 17 years old, studying full-time um, at college, she wants to become a lawyer, um, but in her spare time, whatever time she has, she has started a chicken business where wow. she's bought a few chickens, they hatch eggs and she sells the eggs. Mm. Um, and I went to visit her, saw where she, she does her stuff, and I realised that she didn't have, I think they call it like a generator, um, where she can place the eggs so that they're in a... Um, the right environment to hatch mm. properly and basically every season a lot of the eggs kind of don't make it like, mm. they're cracking they break or there's cats that run in to come and steal yeah. them and that kind of stuff and it just broke my heart because she was like trying her best to help provide for her family while studying so I'm like been there for half an hour and I'm like yo we need to get her the equipment that she needs yeah. to run her business Properly, yeah. And then a couple of the the tier fund um, employees that I was with said that like, we can't really do that. And I was mm. like, why? Like it's mad easy. Let's just like buy her what she needs. Yeah. Like I'll pay for it. And they were like, we're all about sustainability, right? If we just buy it for her, she's not really gonna have. Well, she might do, but she's not always gonna have a plan of how to keep that going or mm. what message does that send out to everyone else in the area? We're we gonna buy stuff for everyone else, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, our job is to educate, create opportunities, and help these people be self-sufficient. And for me, like that really clicked, man. Because mm. often with charitable work, I think me as the giver can have like the kind of like hand-to-mouth approach where just give people what they need. Yeah. But really. Sometimes that's cool, but oftentimes that doesn't help people escape the cycle of poverty. Yeah. Sure. What you want to do is educate people and create opportunities for them to create sustainable future for, futures for themselves. So, yeah, man, that was like an inspiring trip, and it made me want to do more than just give someone some money. Like, yeah, it made yeah. me want to think about it and that how we, can we do this for this one person and this whole area and break the cycle of poverty in our family. So, yeah, it was like really eye-opening for me, man. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I think like. For me, uh, sustainability is like such a big word at the moment, and I think um, it's really important. I think we've all kind of, well, society as a whole has kind of had this light bulb moment where it's like, mm. oh yeah, you can't just like throw money at issues. Like there yeah. needs to be thought behind that. And I remember for myself going to um, Bolivia. Mm. I remember hearing from this Scottish guy who could speak fluent Spanish. It was mad. Right. It, was, it was the maddest accent. I'm trying to imagine that accent. Yeah. That's kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like, come on, say it. But I remember him telling a similar story of uh, them going out there and bringing out like water filtration systems mm. and they would go around to people's houses and just like set up, disappear. And what they realised as they were going around is that there were no men. Mm. There were never men there. And they were yeah. like, where are all the men in these, like, in these places? Um, and it turned out that a lot of them were actually the men were feeling so ashamed that someone came to like 
oh, do wow. what he could have. Man, and yeah. so it's really interesting. Like you said, you had that dilemma of like, I want to be, I want to do this. I want to, I want to help out in this way because I know I can. But at the same time, it's about allowing humans to flourish. In themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I realized that sometimes you're actually doing people a disservice by living that way. Because one thing about Zambia is, um, so they've got like a youth parliament, right? Mm-hmm. Junior parliament where they're actually campaigning for change in their local communities. And local government are standing up and listening to them. Mm. They're very intelligent people. So for me, as a Westerner, Westerner effectively, I know from Ghana originally, but someone coming from England saying, yo, like, here's a bit of money, it's kind of insulting. Mm. Like, it's more, I should be coming on the tip of, right guys, see what you're doing. How best can I help you? How best can we partner? How best can we create opportunities for you to create sustainable futures for your environment and your people and your families, etc.? Because, I don't know, sometimes I feel like they are viewed as almost like second-class citizens, you know? Whereas, actually, I've met some of the most intelligent people that I've ever met being out there. Yeah, it's really interesting. On our last podcast, we were talking uh, kind of about theology and, Mm. uh, like, where that perspective comes from mm. what we think about god yeah and uh, we were talking about actually a lot of the time it comes from like a western sort of predominantly male mm. like white voice yeah um so you kind of like point out the fact that you know these people are there they're intelligent mm. like allow them to speak how do you yeah. think we can do that better i guess in for those who are already interested in justice are already doing work and then mm. just as a society as a whole I know it's a big question but <laughs> I don't know I feel like it's realising that we've all been conditioned to a certain extent and our ideologies they come from somewhere even mm. me saying that the young people in Zambia are intelligent why do I need to say that? Mm. why wouldn't they be intelligent? Mm. do you know what I mean? Um, for me as like a young black man um, when I do like TV or radio or whatever, often the comment I get from some white people is, oh, like, you're very articulate. Mm. And in my head I'm thinking, why wouldn't I be articulate? Mm. But there's some kind of stereotype, some kind of ideology we've been conditioned in some kind of way that makes us view people in different ways or a certain ways. So I guess to answer your question is just realising that we've all been conditioned in some way, shape or form and asking yourself, okay, where do my thoughts, my my feelings mm. about people come from, and is that the right way to think? Yeah. So for you, would you say there was like one kind of aspect of your ideology or anything that changed mm. after that trip? Um, it's a good question. I feel like the the main thing was moving from the hand to mouth thing, like mm. that view of charity to thinking how can I help people long term mm. um, and that's not um, to discourage people from I don't know giving monthly to something mm. or whatever but that's just if you have the capacity and you really feel like you want to help just thinking what am I doing now um, and is that helping short term or long term mm. and thinking um, what you can do off the back of that so I guess that's the, the main thing yeah yeah, that's, yeah no, that's great I think that's really helpful for mm. people listening I think you know in the We Are Tier Fund community we've got people who they want to be world changers and yeah. I think what you're saying kind of that full spectrum of approach yeah. like sometimes the money's needed yeah. sometimes it's about education sometimes it's yeah. about training sometimes it's about like you said learning from them yeah. which I think is really important yeah um, what kind Can I of... ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Only because uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> and I don't know when this is coming up, but it seems like uh, I was just wondering it last week. So you know the... Uh, I'm trying not to name names, but what David Lammy was talking about. Yeah. Um, 
white saviour, all that yeah. kind of stuff. For a charity like Tear Fund, what has been your response to that? Have you yeah. felt challenged in any way, shape or form? Um, have people been kind of sitting at their desks, like, <laughs> a bit scared? <laughs> or, like, how do you feel about it? Because I always, I was wondering, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So I'm You can prepare. cut this out, by the way, if you that's want. Right. No, I'll get my boots on, I'm preparing to go across the minefield, <laughs> do a bit of trampling around. Well, yeah, no, it's a really good and actually relevant thing to bring up. Mm. Um, and I think you haven't been to Zambia and had that experience you had, uh, speaks into that situation in a sense where, like you said, we never want to operate in a place where I, I in fact, I'll talk for myself. I can't yeah. even a company line or anything. <laughs> um, I never want to operate out of a place where I'm seeing myself as a sa- as a savior. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the thing about the We Are Tier Fund community is, yes, we want to help change the world. We want to do X, Y, Z, but ultimately, we believe in a God who does that. Mm. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing that happened, and actually. To kind of throw it back at you, yeah. <laughs> I remember um, I looked at your Facebook page when you were talking about uh, the trip, and you you ended one of your messages, <clears throat> one of your messages saying, uh, hashtag Africa is not a country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so do you feel like that speaks into that situation at all? Yeah, well, that's something I've struggled with for a long time, and I found that like, very disrespectful. Just even from like secondary school, high school, mm. even like teachers, just like, oh, where did you go on holiday? Uh, I went to Italy or I went to Dubai or I went to Colombia mm. I went to Africa like <laughs> bruv <laughs> where in Africa did you go to so um, it just made me realise man like people view Africa as just like this one place continental country whatever it is we don't really care mm. there's one kind of people that live here they're all struggling and blah 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 so with my voice um, I want to change that narrative mm. a little bit um, so yeah that's why I decided to put that message there. And it's hard sometimes because you don't want to come across, especially on social media, yeah. as this guy with a chip on his shoulder. Mm. But I don't know, I just feel really challenged being out there that I want to change the perception of people um, in different African countries. Because mm. my experience of Zambia is, yeah, there is need, but there's need in South London where I live. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But there's also people doing some good stuff. Um, so I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, I guess in a sense, everywhere... Like you said, everywhere has its yeah. ups and downs. And I think um, I think what you were talking about is really important because it recognises that the answer isn't necessarily here. Mm. It's not necessarily there. Yeah. But it maybe it's in that communication yeah. of going back and forth and seeing seeing someone setting up their own business, seeing the yeah. young youth parliament doing their thing and actually seeing, that actually, this is something that could work yeah. here or anywhere. 100%. I guess, like, as a Christian... I see things a bit beyond surface level. And I believe like in the transformational power of God, but I believe that God's going to use his people to do that through collaboration. So Mm. like you say, regardless of where you're from, if we can communicate, work with each other, then good things can come off the back of that. Yeah, awesome. That kind of seems, like you said, you feel like you describe yourself as a communicator, you describe yourself as someone who wants to change the perception of Africa, but I see that kind of more widely in everything you do. Mm-hmm. So like, I, the question kind of is like, why? Like, <laughs> wow. You're someone who, like I said at the beginning, you've, done, you've got eight projects out, yeah. you've got awards, um, you could easily just kind of turn off and just be like, right, this is my life, got my money, got my yeah. music, got, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm the oldest child um, in my family, my mum and dad, it's just me and my younger brother. And... I grew up in Custom House, East London, 
on a council estate and it wasn't until I got older that I realised the importance of an older role model. So obviously my dad was around, great guy, but you couldn't relate to some of the things that I was going through mm. at that age. A big brother or a big sister might have. Mm. Um, I used to wake up every single day and just drift through life, not really know that I was here for a reason. I was mm. just kind of whatever comes, whatever happens, it's all good. Now I wake up and I feel like I've got a purpose and a gift to share and God has me here for a reason. Mm. So the reason I keep going and I don't rest on my laurels is because I want as many young people to know that as possible. Mm. There's young people up and down England, all over the world that are waking up without knowing that they're here for a reason. Um, And I guess my ultimate goal is to spread that message far and wide that Mm. you're not here by accident or just to make up the numbers, but God has you here for a reason. And I guess that influences everything that Mm. I do. So... Obviously, that's a, I, for me, someone who's listened to your music for years, mm. I hear that in your music as Making well. Making you sound mad old, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know well, last started out when he was 17, you know, it's all cool. Um, but I hear that kind of, yeah, I hear within, like, your music and, and, like, the way you talk and stuff, this is definitely something that's always on your mind and something that's almost a part of your vision. Mm. What, how did you figure out this is what I really feel called to? yeah. I don't think I even know now fully what that is. Um, I grew up in like quite a Pentecostal church. and It was very like spiritual, so over-spiritual. Um, and they would overthink everything. Mm. So I used to think there's only one thing that God wants me to do. When I find that one thing, I will be all right. Mm. Whereas now I've kind of developed the thought process that, all right, God wants me to help young people, but that could be in in various ways. So it's not just going to be through music. It's not just going to be through writing books, speaking at events or whatever, but it's whatever opportunities Mm. may come. So I've just learned to just knock on doors a little bit. And if they open to walk through, if God gives me a red light, then I'll stop and turn back. But he's not going to be like, oh, you got it wrong or you went through the wrong door or this wasn't the right thing you should have done. It's just like you're living and learning, living and learning. Um, So, yeah, to answer your question... I've just stopped trying to focus on, all right, this is the one thing that God wants me to do mm. um, because I think that can be limiting. Sometimes I feel like, okay, we'll feel like God's telling us something or we'll feel peace in a situation and we should definitely do this one thing or whatever. But I feel like there's so much, mm. do you know what I mean? So many different ways we communicate with people, so many different ways you can use your gift. And it's important for me as a person to stop over-spiritualizing stuff and saying, I'm not going to do this till I get a sign. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If it's good stuff and it's glorifying God, it's helping my character and it's helping people, then I'm going to try it and see what happens. Yeah. It reminds me of this uh, scripture in the Bible. It kind of talks about bringing your everyday living into your worship of yeah. God. And I think uh, when we think about justice, uh, obviously that's one, of, that's one of the main things we focus at with mm. Fund. Um Sometimes there is this kind of thing of like, if I if I today I get the bus instead of driving, <laughs> that's not going to stop climate change. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. The, that's the reality of the situation. But mm. there is this kind of, as you say, like it's almost this is a part of what yeah. I believe I'm called to do. Hundred percent, man. I like. I, I used to think being a Christian was just going to church on a Sunday. Mm. Then I realized God's interested about. He's interested in my everyday. You know what I mean? One of my favorite. Bible verses is Colossians 3.23 everything we do do as if you're doing it unto God not mm-hmm. human masters whatever you're doing so brushing your teeth or like coming to Bristol yeah. now or whatever it is like God can get glory in it all do you know what I mean so yeah, yeah no, that's awesome um, I kind of see you as like 
I mean, obviously, like we talk about, you have your music, mm. you're an ambassador for Tear Fund, so you're someone who kind of uses your voice to speak out about living differently. Like, that's even seen in your books as well, like mm. um, unpopular, unpopular Culture. Uh, so with all that kind of being said, um, what do you think it takes to do that? What's the journey of being someone who says, you know what, I know right now you might look at me mad or... yeah this is looking long for you or whatever, but I know my my own uh, conviction. Yeah. Ah, uh, but I guess there's like two types of people in this world, to put it simply. There's people that know why they're here and they just go for it and know who they are. And there's people that let the world tell them. And I think I just decided that I didn't want the world to tell me who I was because I tried that. I remember year seven, year eight, year nine, all I wanted to do was fit in. Mm. And the words of other people, they had such an impact on my life. And it didn't make me feel good. Um, there's a quote I love is, if you live for people's acceptance, you die from their rejection, right? Mm. And I guess I just came to a point in my life where I decided, you know what? As Bible-believing Christian, I believe what God says about me. And that's the ultimate and most important foundation of words that I want in my life mm. and if I allow that to shape who I am as a person the other stuff doesn't matter yeah. so I guess it's just deciding that you know what the world's not going to define who I am as a person but God is and yeah. just going for it and being so confident not cocky but just confident in who you are as as a Christian who you are as a person yeah awesome that's really cool and I think it, it's great because Within, like, I mean, I've been on, like, the Together Weekends where we've met, like, a lot of people in our mm. community, and so many of them have different, like, dreams, big visions, goals and stuff. People who all want to change the world mm. like you want to. Um, whether it be through music or anything else, whether it be through writing, communicating, um, this kind of, like, entrepreneurial approach mm. to, like, ending po poverty, I feel like is something that's becoming a lot more popular. And yeah. I don't say that popular is like it's a bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great thing. People are like, I'm going to take what I can do mm. to change the situation. Uh, so for all those people, what you, what's your tip for them? Because you're someone who's an independent music and doing that, being an independent musician mm. in the UK, in hip-hop, when you're a Christian, it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you do that? How do you go about living out your vision, living out something that you feel like you can do? Yeah, I, I heard this. I can't remember who said it, man. Maybe my mum. She says like a bunch of random stuff, <laughs> but she's like, work as if it all depends on you, and pray because it all depends on God. Mm. And that's the kind of um, mantra that I take on. It's like I can do everything I possibly can to do good stuff, but at the end of the day, it's God's favor, God's blessing that's gonna help it to to bear fruit you know um so yeah just do everything that you possibly can to do good stuff and then pray that god blesses it and has his hand on it and, and favors it and also never underestimate the power of collaboration because mm. there can be like 50 people trying to do the same thing it's going to yeah. be easier if you join together and do it and that's one thing that i found important it doesn't matter who gets the credit like mm. governor b or as it doesn't have to be the name on the headline or whatever yeah. it's just important that the common goal, whatever we're trying to achieve, gets done. Um, yeah. And if there's people that you can collaborate with, the strength in numbers, man. So, yeah, it's great being independent. It's great doing stuff on your own, but just find people you can partner with um, yeah. because teamwork is, is a very valuable asset. Yeah, and how, how do you inspire those people to, to collaborate with you? Because mm. it's kind of like, 
I mean, it's easy when something's obviously winning. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. eight albums deep. Like, I'll be like, yeah, sure. Like, what do you yeah. want me to do? But, like, right at the beginning, you're like, look, this is what I want to do. Someone's telling you this is nonsense. Yeah. What, what do you do to, like, really get those people on your side? I think rejection's a part of, of life, man. Like, just look at the life of Jesus, man. Like, rejection. Left, right, center. Sometimes by some of his closest, you know. Um, but if you feel like God's put something on your heart, if it's God, man, it will happen in a way that it's meant to happen. A lot of people define success as, all right, like I'm collaborating with so many people and reaching like thousands and millions, but I just believe it's doing the best you can with what you've been given and whatever happens off the back of that, then that's amazing. Mm. I also feel that hearts connect with hearts. So I remember when I was just like a, even now I still struggle with it, man, just like gassed about myself or something that I want to do mm. and I'm trying to push it and kick down the doors people don't really connect with that stuff as much as just seeing your heart and mm-hmm. what you want to do and I think yeah just sharing your heart working as hard as you can and, and trusting God to to shine on that and, and bless that in whatever way he sees fit yeah it's hard though man because it's it's easy to compare yourself to other people and their versions of success but it's just a constant reminder that it's not about the numbers or mm-hmm. how well known I am or whatever it's just about doing the best of what God's given me yeah that's incredible that's really that's really good mm-hmm. advice and I think is that something for you that you had to learn I'm or still did you learning learn the hard man. Way? <laughs> yeah no I'm still learning because the thing about the way the world views success is let's say if we're talking about albums after every single album it's like you get into a, another room right so the room I was in at the f- start I was still comparing myself to people like, mm-hmm. I want to do this and then I did all right, right? And then I was doing really, really well. But then you break through another glass ceiling and then it's like you're bottom again. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. there's other people to compare yourself with. I was chatting to my friend the other day. He's a footballer. And he was like, when he first got his youth contract, he got like a, his dream car, which was like a golf, right? And then um, <laughs> he was like 17 these times. Yeah, fair so play, fair play. A golf as a 17-year-old, yeah, like, no, top spec, it was all right. But he had the best car in, car in school, yeah? And then he pulls into training and he's training with all the older players. So mm. now he's seeing like Mercedes in the car park mm. and he's like, oh man, like my golf, like I'm bottom of the yeah, pack again. Yeah. So then he got his Mercedes, but then he's with the older players now and he's seeing Bentleys in the car mm. park. And it's, you're always going to be around people that are slightly worse off or better off or whatever. Mm. But you got to look in the mirror, man. And you're the only competition to be better than you was yesterday. And that's it. Yeah. So if you could go yesterday, if you could go back to a young Isaac. Yeah. If there's one piece of advice you could give yourself, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd say relationship is the best currency. Mm. Say that again. <laughs> relationship is the best currency. We've been conditioned and we get distracted by the contracts and and the money and what's in it for me and stuff like mm. that. But trust me, if you've got good relationships with people then you can do amazing things together over the years, man. So don't focus on how much you can make or how much you can receive, but focus on people, man, and connecting with people and building strong relationships. Yeah. And that's not to get something back. It's not for a transactional purpose, but it's just because, listen, God's put us here with other people, man, and yeah. we have different skills, different things that we can bring to situations in each other. So, yeah, relationships are the most important currency, I'd say. That's great. And I'd be amiss uh, if people wanted to know if I didn't ask, what's next for Governor B? What's next? Um, so I'm working on another book um, talking about loss and grief um, and how you find hope through difficult situations and recording some new music 
Um, there's like a youth event that I run called Alamate Live, um, which runs again in July. Um, just random stuff. Follow me on social media. <laughs> What's your social? At Governor B, G-U-V-N-A-B. Um, I was in America recently and I realised that there's been loads of people that have been typing in Governor B, <laughs> <laughs> which was mad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sorry to everyone. Spelt my name incorrectly. Just, just stick with me, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, I really appreciate it. So, guys, that was a really interesting interview. What stuck out for you? What were your highlights? I think for me, one of the things was just, you know, Governor was talking about how God works through transformation and collaboration. So this idea that actually it's not within our own might or our own power to kind of change our whole nation or like end poverty just by ourselves. But actually, God, it's believing that God is both incredibly powerful, but also knowing that he works through people to do that. Yeah, and I really liked um, when he was talking about the youth parliament in Zambia and the impact that they're having in that community. It just gives you so much hope that when young people come together, um, that change really can be made. And I think we need to do more of that here. Great. Thank you both for for joining us and thank you for everyone for listening. We're back on the 15th of April with a, a brand new episode. So if you like what you heard today, hit subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Fund, and we'll speak to you soon.